Fans, you do a podcast for, say, 130 episodes, and you hear a lot of great stories. But I tell you what, Jimmy Connor brings a great one in today's episode of the Greatest Games Podcast. Can't wait for you to listen to it and offer us your thoughts. Again, at 816basketball on Twitter. Shoot us an email, 816basketball at gmail.com. Always love to hear from our fans. If you have guests that you would like to hear on the show, let us know. Again, 816basketball at gmail.com. And if you haven't done so already, of course, you know where I'm going. Teachhoops.com slash 816basketball for incredible coaching resources from the great Steve Collins. Again, teachhoops.com slash 816basketball and the Competitive Mindset Podcast with Billy Kegler. If you haven't listened to it already, what are you waiting for? He does such a great job. Great guest. The Competitive Mindset Podcast, again, with Billy Kegler. And on social media, at Competitive Pod. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always on the Greatest Games Podcast. A chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest games. As always, it can be their time as a head coach, a assistant coach, a JV coach, a college coach, a high school coach, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest. That's right, Chris de Blasio. And I tell you what, I feel like I kind of flubbed that hosts board, that word. You know, I, I really, it's a plural host, H-O-S-T-S, correct? And then I, I just, sometimes I feel like I nail it. And then that tonight, I just feel like I just, I just kind of flubbed it. So I just wanted to acknowledge that with you, Chris de Blasio. I know you, you pour your blood, sweat, and tears into this podcast. So I just uh, wanted to publicly apologize to you for flubbing that. But like you say, we talk to, we talk to coaches all the time. We talk to former student managers. We talk to all sorts of folks around the game of basketball and even sometimes step out of the game of basketball. But this tonight is one of our uh, a, a basketball coach here in the state of South Carolina. He is now the head coach at Saluda High School. Jimmy Kynard, welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. Thank you, Brian. Great to be with you guys tonight. Well, we appreciate you. We really appreciate you being here. I'm so excited. I can't even talk anymore. Uh, Jimmy, I tell you, we might just need to start this whole thing over again. But the beauty of the way we do our podcast is there's no editing. So listeners, you're welcome for all of my flubs tonight. <laughs> no problem. But uh yeah, so as we uh, as sorry, we, I was having trouble hitting the unmute button. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Was, yeah. We, this is terrible, Jimmy. Uh <laughs> I swear we're better than this. Uh, Coach, why don't you – I feel right at home now. (laughs) Coach, why don't you take us a little bit through your journey in coaching and and kind of the stops you've made along the way and and, then found your way back uh, there to Saluda High School. Okay. Um, I'm actually – I'm entering my 28th year as a a high school uh, coach. Um, Take you back to the the beginning. Um, My very first head coaching job was – I cut my teeth, as they say, as a swamp cat down at Lawrence Manning Academy in, uh, in Manning, South Carolina, a private school there. Um, our big rival at the time, I learned very quickly, the, the big game was against Wilson Hall in Sumter. And uh, co- coached by Eddie Talley, uh, who was a former head coach at Lawrence Manning Academy. And um, the two names that stick out uh, from 28 years ago from that team uh, of uh, Wilson Hall, I remember Coach T- Eddie Talley was the coach. They had a young man by the name of Will Dinkins, 
and the other name of Brian Roseville. Was a no, good they didn't. Come on. It was all Will Deacons. It was all Will Deacons. But um, I was just there for that one year. I really enjoyed my time there. I had some really good players there. Um, but um, anyhow, I wanted to get back into the public school system with the state retirement system. So uh, I left there after that one season. And uh, I was at uh, Gilbert High School for five years. Um, had some re- really good young people I worked with there. Enjoyed enjoyed the people that I worked with and the young people I coached. Um, but I left Gilbert and I, I went to Saluda High School. Um, in terms of winning and losing games, I probably had the, the most successful five-year stretch was during my time at Saluda High School. Um, while I was there, I was uh, living in Lexington, South Carolina, where I still live. And my young son, um, he was a, a little guy, and he was asleep when I went to work and asleep when I got home. So my wife said, hey, you need to try to get something a little closer to where we live here. So that led me to Airport High School. Um, I spent the last 14 years at Airport High School there in West Columbia. Um, had some uh, successful years there. Really in, enjoyed my, my time there. Developed a lot of friendships, relationships over the, those 14 years that uh, I'll treasure uh, for a lifetime. But I'm real excited. Um, I'm back at Saluda High School. I've returned to where I was prior to being at airport and extremely excited to be back at Saluda High School now. So this move back to Saluda, this is wife approved, I assume. Oh, she she uh, she stamped it. It's, it's okay. <laughs> And the irony of all this is um, that's that same little boy. My son is Lane, Lane Connard. Um, he uh, he actually was a member of the uh, River Bluff 5A state championship team this past year, uh, playing for Ben Lee over there. Um, but in this move uh, back out to Saluda, uh, I'm excited. My son Lane's going to be playing for me his senior year. Oh, that's awesome. We talked to Ben Lee on episode 42, I'm going to say, Brian. Um, that would be episode one ten, but that's close. You're in the ball. Okay, all right. Only sixty off. <laughs> Pick the number. That's how close you were there. Uh, you know, Jimmy, let's let's start with your your private school experience. Now, uh, I'm glad that we can get you on the show. Uh, I have tried for a, what feels like about eight years to get Eddie Tally on this show, and uh, I don't know. Maybe publicly call him out. Maybe he's scared. I don't know. Uh, but one day we'll get we'll get him on the show. Um. But but talk about that experience. You know, I know you're joking about me. I was not any, anywhere on the scouting report. I just stood in the corner and hurled up threes every now and again. Could barely run up up and down a basketball floor. Um, <laughs> but talk about this the private school basketball in South Carolina and really maybe how much has changed. But just because uh, my my experience was was first in, in private school basketball, my first coaching experience, and said it was great to start there and go into public school basketball. So just talk about that private school experience and move into public school a little bit more well it was really exciting for me at the time i'd um i'd finished the the citadel back in 1993 and um kind of my uh hero or mentor from the coaching uh world that i looked up to growing up um uh, aspiring to be a head coach was um jim valvano uh when he was there at nc state uh, i loved the cardiac pack and his passion for the game and i kind of patterned myself a little bit after some of his antics i guess but uh, as I've gotten older, uh, I've kind of I had to calm down a little bit. I'm not as wild and crazy as he once was on the sideline. But it was neat for me to be there at Lawrence Manning, and that was my first head coaching job. Uh, I felt like I'd really arrived, so to speak. Uh, I guess I was around 23 years old or so. And to be a, a head coach at the varsity level 
of course, now I was the head coach of the JV team as well at Lawrence Manning. Um, but, uh, you know, looking at those games like with uh, with Wilson Hall, um, I think it was Sumter Catholic was the other good good program there at, at the time. Um, you know, the, the local paper, and Brian, you're familiar with the Sumter item, you know, they, they covered those games on Saturday mornings and have those write-ups on the front page of the sports page. Uh, I, I thought I was really a big deal to have those those uh, feature articles about my teams and being referred to as Coach Jimmy Conner. To see my name in print like that, I, was, I would thought I was a big deal. I found out very quickly I wasn't the big deal that I thought I was. <laughs> but um, but those it was very it was a good level of, of high school basketball. I, I, I felt um, a number of uh, folks had um, uh, come through those ranks and gone on to play at at the collegiate level. Um, I will say that um, I think private school basketball is a lot more competitive and, and the, the talent level, the talent pool is, a, is a, a much higher level of player today than it was back in the, in the mid nineties when I would have been at Lawrence Manning. Brian, I'm, I'm actually happy you asked that question um, about the private school experience. Uh, Brian, as you know, you've been up to the school where I coach here in New Jersey, coach Kynard, we're a very small single a school Um we have a lot of issues with numbers for athletic programs, getting enough kids to come out. And uh, our football team was playing yesterday with, under a new coach. And uh, Brian, uh, um, um, Pascac Valley, Coach Jeff Jasper, okay, well, school well, coach we had on, Jimmy, I'm kind of going all over the place here. Their, head, their former football coach, this guy Craig Nielsen, was the new Saddlebrook coach's mentor, and he was at the game, and I was talking to him before the game, and he's a great high school softball and football coach, this guy, softball and football, and he's great at both of them. It's unbelievable. But he said every coach should have to coach at the single-A level oh, yeah. to get that experience, like like the Skiza level in South Carolina. It's it's very similar. Like He, he said every coach should have to do that at least for a couple of years just to see what things are like from that level. Well, what's unique about it, and, and even you know, in, in the public schools as well, particularly the, the smaller school level, you know, on a given year, from a basketball standpoint, your uh, your center, you may be blessed on a given year to have that uh, a six five, one hundred and eighty five pound kid, and and then the very next year, your center may be uh, five five ten, one hundred and fifty pounds. Um, I, I joke. Uh, I've coached uh, most of these years. I've also been an assistant football coach. And, uh, and it's really true. I, I really believe it. At the smaller schools, you, you have some of your better coaches because I, I give the football example. Um, you know, you, you've got to find five offensive linemen, and they may not be the traditional prototype offensive linemen. They may all think they're, they're halfbacks, but somebody's <laughs> got to go up there and play, you know, center guard and tackle. So uh, it, it's, you know, it definitely is it's a revolve. Your, your, your personnel and the, uh, the, their specs, they, they, they change a lot from year to year. Well, coach, I have that five ten center, not the six five one. <laughs> and I was talking, I was talking to him yesterday at the football game. <laughs> and sometimes uh, your center, like this year, I'm going to have a defensive tackle that plays a lot of center for me, and he's uh, he's probably more of a a six two three hundred pound kid. <laughs> <laughs> defensive tackle is going to be your five man on the basketball court. Well, I I, th- I love that, Chris, about coaching at the single A level, and and Jimmy, I. I'm I'm a guy too. Again, right out of college, took uh, 
for me, it was girls basketball as a head varsity coach with girls basketball and then turn around and coaching JV girls. And in those days it was, it was opposite with coaching JV girls first and uh, then varsity girls. But I've often talked with my staff as, as an AD now and, and, and I guess I maybe have an answer here to this question is, but the question is, how do I speed up the learning process for young coaches to just essentially just stop doing things that I wish they just wouldn't do sometimes, <laughs> you know, and, and I, in hearing your answer and I just take myself back, like, wow, it's just coaching two teams right out of college as a 23 year old, just getting reps, like how, for you, like how valuable was that to just get in there and just make a ton of mistakes while coaching two teams and the world just kept on spinning? Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, it, it threw me in the fire. And like, like I say, yeah, I was excited about having these post-game interviews, but realistically, I wasn't prepared for that. I, I you know, I was learning on the run, um, practice planning, you know, going in and, and having a, a plan for your, your JV practice and, uh, and then your varsity practice and, and uh, you know, managing – managing uh you having your parent meetings with uh you know nowadays the parents are younger than me but at that time the the players parents were you know oftentimes 15 20 years older than me and and having to um put on your big boy pants so to speak and, and deal with the uh with the uh more mature people that um had a lot more experience from an adulthood not necessarily from a coaching standpoint and we all know that all parents are are or coaches themselves, <laughs> so, but uh, but yeah. As far as speeding up that learning curve, I guess it was good for me because I I, I, learned, I definitely learned on the run, um, <laughs> and, and and not necessarily a uh, uh, it wasn't all positive experience. There's a lot of trial and error, definitely. Uh, it's these experiences we've talked about them tons of times, Brian, with the coaches, guys who started very young, or or that first job, like you said, the practice plan. Like, well, what what do I do at practice? Like, and. Uh, you know, I had come my only real basketball coaching experience. I worked at the University of Kentucky for a year and the University of South Carolina for nine years. So I was coming from SEC programs with, you know, we had 15 managers that practice and all this. And I get a, a job coaching freshman basketball here in New Jersey. And uh, I say to I say to my head coach, I go, we're going to be practicing at the community center, not even at the school. And I say, is there a clock down there like to, you know, to put time up on the clock? He goes, no, buy a stopwatch. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and that's like you get spoiled in situations. You know, people are like, you're going to go to the other end of work with post. I've got perimeter down here. Well, Lawrence Manning, I was coaching post and perimeter. <laughs> All the time. Well, Brian Rosefield, when he was coaching JV basketball at Ridgeview, he made a phone call to a very good friend of his and said, could you come up here and help me with practice? And that friend was me, by the way, uh, if I didn't get that across. <laughs> and because uh, he was like, you want to watch the offense. You know, you're trying to do something on offense, but you wind up watching the defense and being mad that the guys on defense aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right, right. <laughs> it's, it's it's impossible to, to watch both. And uh, still to this day, even though I'm watching practice, sometimes I'm still watching both. And it's it's uh, it's hard to focus on just one. It, it really is. Um Jimmy, before uh, I know Chris is wanting to jump jump in here and uh, ask you about your greatest game. Before we get to that, I just had a question pop in, and you've been doing it for a long time. Um, I guess a two parter. What, why why do you coach, Jimmy, and then what really keeps you in it 
for this long. I tell you, and it's funny you bring that up. Um, at our our Sunday school this morning, um, we were talking a few years back. I had the opportunity to go on a uh, a mission trip to Williston, North Dakota. We went up there. This is they had the the big oil fracking boom was going on in Williston, North Dakota, and um, the um, the infrastructure of that little community is a small little little town. People were coming from all over the world for jobs and for this oil fracking that was taking place. Long story short, myself and about 10 other guys from my Sunday school class, we flew into Minot, North Dakota, and um, and we rented cars and went over to uh, Williston and put on a, uh, a little flag football camp for the locals. And um, through all that, a little side note, uh, Williston, North Dakota, that's where Phil Jackson played high school basketball. Uh, Phil Jackson of Bulls and Lakers fame and, you know, former New York Knicks. That was a small little high school he went to. I had no clue of that. We just ride through town. I went to the local high school, and I could um, look through the uh, the glass windows there at the gym, and all this Phil Jackson uh, memorabilia was there. But bringing this back to why I do what I do, uh, on the flight back that while we were up there, a longtime LSU coach, Dale Brown, Dale Brown was on this uh, on the flight with me. I got to rub elbows with him a little bit, and um, matter of fact, really neat. Uh, gentleman he uh, a few days later after uh, meeting me there he, he mailed me and i was really impressed with him because you know i'm just a little small high school coach in the state of south carolina he had long been since retired he mailed me his, his little coaching booklet on running the, the freak defense dale brown's book and he put a little personal note in there and he, and he said jimmy nice to meet you on the, on the flight he said um you know remember it's not who you care or it's not who you coach or where you coach but why you coach and that just really resonated with me. So to answer your question, why I do what I do, um, I look back at the uh, the coaches that I had the opportunity to play for and be around when I was a young man. I see the impact that they had on my life. Um, you know, nobody at the high school level is uh, or becoming millionaires, but I tell you what, you can't put a price on, and this, this happens uh, regularly to a lot of you. Know, anytime you've done it, as long as I've done it. Uh, you know, just to be in the local Walmart on a, on a Saturday night and have a, a player come up that you hadn't seen in 10 or 15 years and uh, and just call you, you know, just to be called coach. There's a lot of responsibility that goes with that. But, uh, you know, you speak of Trevor DeLoach, um, the player from here at Salute is now an assistant coach at uh, Jacksonville University. Um, you know, we still, we're, we're in contact. Uh, we, we talk or communicate through text. And um, just to have those relationships and the to feel like you've had a positive impact and maybe uh, influence a young person in the right way, uh, you, you, that's priceless. You can't you can't put a, a money value on that. And and also not not just the young people I work with, but the uh, the camaraderie of the fraternity of coaches. Uh, just the friendships I've made over the years in this line of work, um, and uh, the the way I view people and the way I feel that they appreciate me is why I, why I've done it as long as I have and. Hope to have a few more years to continue doing it. Well, I, Coach, I, I get a hankering when people mention things and places. So I'm, I, I looked up Williston, North Dakota. <laughs> and it is, it, Brian, it's in as middle of the nowhere as you assume it is. <laughs> no doubt about it. But I can confirm Williston has a Walmart Supercenter. Uh, there's an Applebee's. Uh, this is Domino's Pizza, so we're doing all right in Williston, North Dakota. <laughs> and I believe that's probably about it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, Coach, sometimes when during during the course of the podcast, something comes up and it sparks me to ask Brian a trivia question. 
and it sparks him to get the trivia question wrong. So, Brian. Always. This is not going to be a sports one, but Coach mentioned going to Williston, North Dakota. So this is like a sick, my sixth graders can answer this question. What is the capital of the state of North Dakota? Oh, come on. Capital of North Dakota. Uh, I know it's not yeah, the capital of Montana popped in my head first, and I know it's not that unless they no, it's kidding. I don't remember North Dakota. I don't I don't even want to Coach Kiner, do you do you have it? I'm gonna throw this out there and I don't think this is right either. Uh, I guess this was the most developed metropolitan area that we flew into, and I'd never actually heard of it until we flew there for this trip. But it's not Minot. I don't. I don't guess. No, it is Bismarck. It is Bismarck. My wife's over here telling me I told you it was Bismarck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking at Minot. Now you said Minot is a metropolitan area. Well, wow, it, it oh. is compared to Williston. <laughs> I'm looking at Minot right now. Woo. <laughs> they, did, they did have an airport. <laughs> I Rose, Rose, mine art looks makes Saluda look like a sprawling metropolis. Okay? Oh, <laughs> well, then, then I'll eat my words on that description. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to get Ms. Connard on uh, Blaz's, uh, I guess, social studies podcast. I'll be starting <laughs> next week. Well, coach, as you know, the name of the podcast is The Greatest Games. And we, we talked a little bit briefly before the podcast. You said you might have one or two that you wanted to talk about. So why don't you tell us about one of your greatest games as a coach? Well, um, as I think about that, a number come to mind. There's there's a number of what I consider to be classics. And I'll tell you, um, sometimes the greatest games – uh, your team didn't necessarily win, but I'm definitely the, the one time I'm going to speak to you, I've, I've got to tell you about a game that we did win. Um, and it was actually at the expense of one of my very, very good friends in the coaching profession. Um, I know Brian's there at Ridgeview, but a, a former uh, Ridgeview head basketball coach, and at the time it was at Brooklyn Casey, uh, Ricky Balknight. Ricky's a really good friend of mine. And um, y'all may know his son, Richard, who worked over at USC for a little mm. while with athletic departments down at the college of Charleston now, but anyhow, well, Ricky, Ricky was at BC when I was down there. Okay. Well, that's so, so, case, yeah. well, so I was at, I was the head coach there at airport high school. Lexington district two has, um, you know, two high schools, airport and Brooklyn Casey. That, that's the big, uh, the big rivalry. Uh, that's like Duke, North Carolina, South Carolina, Clemson is the airport. BC game is the big game of the year. So, they had a good squad. Uh, they had a uh, Jonathan Rump was a good athlete for them. He went on to play football at the University of Georgia. Very good high school basketball player, but he played football there at Georgia. And um, so that's the that's the one night of the year where we were going to pack the gym out at airport when the airport played Brooklyn Casey. So uh, we had a, a barn burner that night. Uh, Ricky and those uh, we were tied. I'm giving the Cliff Notes version. We were tied. Jonathan Rump came down, hit a, hit a two point basket to put them up. Um, with about seriously four seconds to go in the ball game, and uh, I mean the place is it's wall to wall. So you know that's your, that's your big night. We don't we didn't play in front of crowds like that, you know, but once but once a year. But that was a special night, Brooklyn Casey and Airport. So they go up to let's see, three seconds to go. I get an immediate timeout. Uh, if it were you know seven eight seconds left, you know we take it out and push up the floor and just go on the attack. But only three seconds left, they got a timeout. So. During that timeout, 
and you can't make this stuff up. If you get a chance, record check it. Ask Coach, well, don't ask Ricky because I know he's still sick about it to this day. But <laughs> they're up too. And so during that timeout, the place is packed and the lights go out in the gym at Airport High School. There's no electricity. And, uh-huh. and it's just a, it's mayhem ensues, as they say. Yeah. Uh, people are hollering, screaming. AD's yeah. worst nightmare right here. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> Roosevelt. Be glad you weren't the AD that night at Airport High School. Absolutely. So, so um, you know, we've got law enforcement people scrambling around trying to keep the peace and whatnot. So Ricky's up too. They just hit, you know, what he thinks, and I would think too, is most likely the game winning shot. So uh, administrators come together, principals, and and so we, we proposed the idea to go up to the, uh, the quote, old gym, upstairs gym at Airport High School that was played in for many, many years. It's used, it's, it's an auxiliary gym now. We use it for PE classes and, and for practices. Um, so it was proposed that we go up there and finish the last three seconds of the game. And so, um, you know, Ricky was, was open to that. He's like, you know, I'd, I'd have been just as open. He's like, hey, we, we've won this thing. <laughs> so they got to get a link to the floor in three seconds. And uh, so they were, you know, all getting excited. So I'm just sitting there, well, let's give it a shot. So sure enough, they, um, they clear the arena at Airport High School. Um, they make everyone leave. No one's allowed to go upstairs to watch the last three seconds of the game except for school administrators, the, the teams and the coaching staffs and the referees, obviously. We can go up there, get the lights on up there. The lights were working there. Um, flip, the, flip the old scoreboard on. We're down two. Have to get a link to the floor. I had a um, kid, Forrest Arnold, really good baseball player for us. He ended up playing baseball over at, um, at Coker. And so Forrest was a 6'6 kid. He could really throw the ball. So uh, prior to starting back play, I said, Forrest, you can throw the, the baseball pass, obviously. He's like, yeah, coach, I can make it. So I had um, Ricardo Martin. Ricardo's uh, uncles, Daryl and, and Harold Martin, played played there at USC. Um, Ricardo went on to play at, at Lander, and he's playing overseas right now. But Ricardo was a tall, lanky kid, and he was a young kid at the time. I think he was only maybe a 10th grader. But um, so and we had one timeout left. So I went ahead and, and planted a seed in the referee's head. I said, look, I said, we're going to throw a pass up to half court. As soon as, we, as soon as my guy goes up and catches it, we want to use our last timeout. So they already knew immediately as soon as we caught the ball, we wanted a timeout. So sure enough, we go out there. It's three seconds on the clock. We have to get a length of the floor down two against BC, the big rival game. The Arnold kid throws the baseball pass. The Martin kid goes up, catches it, comes down, timeout. Now we have it in the front court on the sideline. And here's the beauty of playing in the old gym with the old scoreboard, okay? There was no tenths of seconds on that clock up there. So when you look, you know, it's, it's a full two seconds up there, all right? It's no 1.1 1. 1 or anything. It's a full two seconds up there on that clock. So we ran a little um, – come out of the timeout. Uh, Brad, Bradley Knotts was a kid that had moved to us from White Knoll High School. Great, great young man. Went on to play at Erskine for a few years. We, he set a little uh, – a screener's for the screener type deal. He's at the low block. He comes up, sets a back screen for the Martin kid to go to the bucket. And I was really hoping to get that. I said, if Ricardo pops up and give it to him on the block, he goes up, we'll, we'll, we'll chop him in overtime. Well, they covered the Martin kid, but so the, the um, Knotts kid that set the back screen up at the top of the key, he just popped back to the wing right there in front of the sideline. We hit him all in one motion. He goes up, sinks the three at the buzzer. The night the lights went out in West Columbian Airport, beats BC by one at the buzzer. Whoa. And again, 
Ricky Ball Knight is one of my favorite friends in the coaching profession. I, I was sick for Ricky, but man, that, that night I was mighty excited to be an airport eagle. Yeah. Now, Jimmy, let me tell you. Now, I know some people are going to listen to this and say, like, okay, it's a rivalry game. We've all been a part of a rivalry game. Hold up. Now, I did my student teaching at Brooklyn Casey. I know how big of a deal an airport and Brooklyn Casey matchup is, first of all. Like, that's enormous. And then for this to happen, like, what in the world? That is just crazy wild and i love it it's just uh, it, so jimmy I, I i guess i've got so many questions but <laughs> I, I, the first question i have is your team when the lights go out like i know how our students are at ridgeview when something just kind of off the wall happens it's like what what's what's going on let alone the entire gym going completely dark like what so what do you do with your guys like is it immediately like laser focused like hey we're here we're going to draw up this play like take us through those first couple of minutes when the lights completely go out for you and your team. well like i say um the main thing we're just trying to maintain order and and when the lights go out in a high school gym and it's packed like that you don't always have the um the, the Eagle Scouts aren't are always the one filling the one filling the bleachers up with Eagle Scouts. <laughs> Everybody's a little on edge about that too. But we got the teams out in the back hallway. We actually sent Brooklyn Casey to their their locker room as best as, as best I can remember, and we went to our locker room. And we actually that play. Um, I mean, it was a they were trying to figure out how to get the lights back on. So I'm serious, guys. It was probably a 30 minute delay. Okay, 30 minute delay before we even tried to go upstairs and so so you, you go up there and you, and you go through warm-ups went up there and had warm-ups before we could play these last for, for two seconds <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so um so we're in the locker room though and we so the play we ended up running um and john pappas was a, a longtime head coach at airport and a, a great uh, friend of mine he was actually uh, an assistant for me for the last 14 years I, I talked him into coming back out and helping me out and so during that delay um Golly, and I can't even remember what we called that that play because we ran it as an inbound play. But Coach Pappas said, so I can't take credit for the play. I'm going to tip my hat to Coach John Pappas. Mm-hmm. Coach Pappas said, um, Connor, what, how about – um, I think we just called it shooter. He said, what if we run shooter for Bradley Knox? Just run it from – instead of running as a half-court set, just run it from the sideline. I said, Coach, I think you're on to something. So we had this long delay. The administration trying to figure out the, the electrical situation. We're in the locker room, and I, I know BC's on the other side. They're just like, man, we just won this thing. We beat our rival. Let's, let's get out of here. Let's go home and have a good time. <laughs> so I'm over there with our kids trying to get them calm. Say, look, guys, we, we got a shot at this thing. The other thing about it was by by going to the the old gym <laughs> upstairs, it was a it's a little smaller court. So the full court wasn't as far. Now what we had to be mindful of. The, old, the quote old gym upstairs you had the low ceiling there so i had to make sure i told Forrest, i said hey man get this thing up ricardo is going to go up and catch it but you can't throw it too high because if you hit that hit the ceiling this will be a violation and it's, it's all over but the crime it's gonna be their ball on the baseline down here <laughs> so we had actually talked through it and walked through it and so the kids knew exactly what we were looking to do so they knew the plan and, and they knew that I'd already spoken to the the referees. That they knew that the referees knew that we if we catch this thing, we immediately want a timeout. We're in the front court, and so uh, really that delay it kind of it calmed all the anxiousness of it, and it let everybody kind of gather their thoughts and, instead of having to go out there. I mean, really, I, I'm realistic. It, uh, if those lights don't go out, if we don't have that delay, um, I, I, there's no way that that we pull that ending off in the in the regular gym uh, without the lights going out. So to this day, Ricky Bolt night, he's still like, 
I want to know who that rascal was that turned those lights out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was an incredible, incredible. I said that that will, that will go down, Brian, like you say. I mean, the, in uh, BC airport lore, um, that that night will be forever remembered. I would think, specifically from a <laughs> basketball standpoint. Well, Jimmy, I know the feeling you have of beating a rival like that. I play I play golf every week with a with a rival coach of mine up here who we've had on the podcast, the great Rock Renzio. And uh, he was beating us in a region championship game. And our, our, our 510 center banked in a three to put it into overtime. And we wound up beating them in overtime. And wow. it, was, it was six years ago, five years ago. And he's still sick about it every time we play golf. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. You do it long enough, you win something like that, you lose something like that. Well, yeah. that's, what I, that's what I said to him. You know, he's, he's, had, he's won plenty of games. But, yeah, it's, it's like that. Brian – this is why we have to do a better job of cataloging this podcast. I'm, I'm glad coach took a while to tell that whole story because I had to scroll through the episodes. Episode 23, John Santulli, they had a, a state playoff game delayed because they had a guy dunk a ball and shatter a backboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so they had to come back the next day. And then episode 102, Jimmy Duncan from Northwestern High School when he, I'm not sure where he was coaching. He was coaching girls basketball. Brian, is that correct? Believe so. And there was there was a there was fights in the stands after a, a, the one. The, maybe he was coaching the boys game and the girls game. That's there was right. fights in the stand, and they had to come back the next day. And like you said, Jimmy, no fans in the stands, only school administration and that kind of thing. So you are our third uh, delayed game this time for lights. Yeah. And so the, the parking lot was full. Everybody's out there waiting to get the final outcome. Yeah. <laughs> They're just sitting in the cars waiting to hear what happened. You know, it was a, a fantastic finish, as they say. Yeah. And I guess it's the, the, before the days of social media. So no, no, it's just, it's truly just waiting like, all right, what happened? What happened in there? You know, and I, and I, Jimmy, I love our guys at the Columbia Star found an article here from February 4th, 2011. The title. This is a great title. Lights out performance from Eagles beats BC in a in a thriller. What a great a great title! But the article, like they, it really it leaves out. They, they talk about the lights going out, uh, but they didn't really talk about the pandemonium getting up there in the, in the upper gym and everything like that. It's just a, it was a half hour delay, and then oh by the way, airport wins the ball game. Uh, so just it's fascinating to see that. Um, but I tell you what, Jimmy, I, I just. I, I, I really, I think about, I th- honestly, I'm thinking about a story too from my days in South Carolina when we were out at Kansas um, for a shoot around. And uh, Coach Barry Sanderson <laughs> asked me, hey, we're in in uh, Fog Allen Fieldhouse or, or Allen Fieldhouse. And um, a couple, like half the lights were on. And, and Barry said, hey, Rose, let's go, uh, go find somebody to turn on all the lights. And I said, all right, that's fine. So I went around this corner and found this guy that had been at, Kansas for 40 years. He was probably the Kansas version of Matt Cradell um, right. as their equipment manager. And he turns these dials or whatever. And I go back out there and in the arena and it's completely black. <laughs> All the lights <laughs> are off now. I remember that. <laughs> but, it, but luckily they got some, uh, some windows up there and, you know, and so <laughs> at least a little afternoon sunlight getting through there. But uh, anyway, what, what an incredible, incredible story. And, uh, you know, we, um, We'll, we'll just need what we need to do is bring Ricky Baltonite on. <laughs> get his version. Get his version. 
get, get his version and we'll have you sneak on the zoom and then to say, oh, well, by the way, we've got Jimmy here. We'll just go ahead and stir the pot a little bit. Get both of you guys. Mm-hmm. On the same I think his version might have a few more F-bombs in it. I'm just going to say. <laughs> but it's funny. Come on, he and I have been buddies. I mean, just, just two weeks ago, he and I got together at a, a restaurant there in Columbia that uh, X and O, you know, he, he's an assistant now at Irmo with, with coach Whipple. And, uh, and so we, and just the two of us getting together, talking basketball and, and getting out the, the, the napkins in the marker and, and <laughs> plays, you know, I so said, we're extremely close friends as far as that goes. Boy, that's a powerful coaching staff. Coach Whipple got uh, Ricky Park night over there. Jesus, that's a lot oh, yeah. of wins right there, guys. That's <laughs> Really, truly one of the all-time great guys. I mean, he, he, like I said, when I did my student teaching there, he was nothing but great to me um, and, and just just a class, class guy. And, uh, yeah, you're right, boss, to have him as an assistant coach. Like, ooh, boy. <laughs> Strong staff. Uh, coach, we'd like to end here on a fun question. Uh, you said you've been coaching 28 years. Uh, if I asked some of those players that played for you at Gilbert, I asked uh, – you know, Trevor DeLoach, and I know your son hasn't played for you yet or has probably started practicing with you a little bit. If I ask him, what's the one thing, and now you said your wife's nearby, she might be able to answer this. What's the one thing Coach Kynard says over and over again? What would be that phrase or that saying that you find yourself repeating? Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Let's see. Because what we need is one of those guys to come in to, to mimic me, you know. <laughs> well, that's what that's what I usually say. Every every kid that played for you has a Coach Kynard impersonation. So when they're doing the impersonation, what's the phrase they're saying? Uh, let's see. I'm trying to – yeah, I'm trying to see. Uh, there's a kid here, Rodriguez Tolan, that played for me 14 years ago at Saluda. He he could do it spot on. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, goodness. It's Probably – uh. Goodness, I'm trying. I, I'm I'm really at a loss for that. Uh, it's not an easy question. It, it's, it's we 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 let our guests struggle with it a little bit. You know, there's uh, you know, if if, if you're Dave Odom, it would, he, I, at least the memory I had was the fake a pass to make a pass. He was he was that was that was thrown out at least once a practice. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, those those types of things. I know when I was coaching, I'd just find myself saying like things like why why do i keep saying that like you know, just just stop saying find another word to say that you know right. that, you know, but, I'm, I'm i'm sure as soon as i get off of this with you guys i'll probably come up with 10 things that come to mind but but right does, now i'm just you know, lost does your wife have anything she doesn't have anything what, what's that he always says when somebody makes a mistake yeah. he just always says next play next play so okay he yeah. hollers next play just you know 25 times again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure, I'm sure as I get mimicked by my ball players, that there, there's some others that they do, but, uh, <laughs> well, that's it, a, next it, play is a good one. I do that. Sometimes I try to get my guys right. Get the next play. Don't worry about it. We got basketball keeps going. That's the great thing about basketball. It's going to be another possession in eight seconds, but you probably aren't really having a very good night. If you're having to say next play too often. Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's a beautiful thing though to teach that uh, that principle. Of just like you say, next play. Just there's no there's no reason to dwell on the past. That and really truly, uh, your performance is going to suffer if you're dwelling on the past. So uh, of course, next play. But you're right, Jimmy. If you're saying that a lot, uh, <laughs> it, it might make for a long night. But uh, <laughs> uh, Jimmy Kiner, wow, what uh, what a story! And um, we just we can't thank you enough for. Uh, 
for coming on the show and sharing that with us and sharing a little bit more about your journey and and honestly for me to hear myself uh as a player that was that was fun even though i know you were just making it up but uh, we appreciate you coming on the show tonight it's been a lot of fun man uh, you were a good, a good high school player and if, uh, if you get a free friday night uh over there at ridgeview and you want to ride out to the country and catch a good high school basketball game right out here to s town and watch my tigers play one one night this year uh, you got it got it you know we we love watching good basketball and that's the the thing that we we're talking offline before we hit, hit record on this thing but this podcast has been a lot of fun. I've gotten to meet a lot of good people. Uh, obviously, known you for for quite a while, uh, but we'll need to do some sort of a greatest games game tour, Chris De Blasio. Whether if I I show up at a game at Saluda with Jimmy Connor, I'll hit record, maybe recording before the game, get him get him saying next play a couple of times during the game, and then we'll, we'll put a, put an episode together somehow. That could be a lot of fun. But uh, well, in the meantime, we will go ahead and put a button on this episode for my co-host Chris De Blasio. I'm Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Greatest Games.